What's the story behind the story? We'll find out on Dropping In. Our guests are today's original thinkers, conversations that spark new ways of seeing what's going on. We bring it all to the table. Diverse perspectives, controversy, loving, and singular voices. Magically, stories reveal the common threads that link us. Experience the joys, the fist pumps, the detours, and the hard-won truths of those who blaze the trail so that we might do the same. And now, here's your host, Diane Dewey. Welcome to Dropping In, everyone. This week, newspapers like the New York Times reported that small, derelict, family-owned hotel properties in rural places, like upstate New York, are being bought up again and renovated. With their small-scale quirkiness, outside entrances, and a social fabric that is desirable, these throwback hotels to the 1950s and 60s are gaining traction. Easier and more carefree than owning a second home, but not necessarily simple life, as our guest today, Deborah Burns, knows from the inside and out from her room number 105 in her family-owned Tanzanieri Country Club or the CCC. We'll learn from Deborah what kind of beginning it was for a kid to grow up at the CCC. She's polished, precocious, and pretty. Deborah grew up ahead of her time, but with a ton of self-doubts. Her mother Dottie's outsized personality and considerable beauty cast a long shadow for a long time in Deborah's life. She was the tour de force and the muse that brought about this book, the knockout memoir, Saturday's Child. But Deborah became a formidable force in her own right and has now released another book, called Authorize It, Think Like a Writer to Win at Work and Life. Welcome, Deborah Burns. Great to have you with us. Well, Diane, first I have to say that's one of the best introductions and weaving of a story that I've ever had, and I've done a lot of podcasts, so congratulations to you. You win. <laughs> well, not at all. You know, it just popped up in the, in the news feed, and I thought, this is Deborah's life right here. I see this now. It was really, it was kind of an, an incredible uh, synchronicity, as you mentioned in the book. Um, and sure. you know, I, I think, I think that um, you know, you, I can't help but think about doting as part of Dottie's story. Um, but you know, it's, it's a funny play on words with your mother's name. But you have become such uh, a force in your own right, a media executive extraordinaire publishing such titles as El Decor and Metropolitan Home. You're the author of this memoir and now a coaching uh, entrepreneur. You've become as a helper for others. While you're always also a married mother of three and perhaps by now a grandmother. I wondered if you could just open up by... By telling us how you describe yourself now at this point in your life. Well, um, everything that has ever come before for me has now kind of mashed up into who I have become. Uh, I believe that my mother, most of all, is the force behind it, and we'll talk a little bit about that because I know you're fascinated by identity 
And I, I now, because of this mashup of the creative journey and the business background um, that I um, have that you m- mentioned, um, for those of us who still remember magazines, uh, <laughs> they might remember those names. Um, lovingly, by the way, <laughs> lovingly, yes. Yes, um, and I didn't see any of this coming, and I didn't know what was in store for me when when my life was changing as that media world imploded, and at the same time, I was compelled to write my mother's story. Uh, I, I didn't know what was ahead, and it was by stepping into the unknown of that that all of the dots and lines of my life actually connected and how I describe myself today is as a person who, through my own experiences, um, help people to shift perspective and live up Mm -hmm. to their career potential. So it's a very simple one-line, but I do that today rather than um, helping companies strategically um, solve their problems and build their their businesses. I help their employees to do the same, which in turn helps the companies. So it's a it's a shift and another um, curve in the road of a very long and winding road uh, that I've been on. And mm-hmm. to write that first book was a seven year creative journey. And had I known that at the beginning, uh, or had, had, if any person knows uh, what it takes to birth a creative venture, probably nobody would invent anything. But uh, it led me to so many new places and to the perch that I'm sitting on today. And yes, I am the uh, unbelievably proud a grandmother of two little girls, um, one two and one who's three months old. And that has changed my life once more. And the mother-daughter story continues. Indeed it does. Um, I wanted to point out uh, that the first of the five lessons in Authorize It um, is embrace the narrative arc. So that means embrace your story. You... It took a long time to, I think, also discover your story, not least of all because there were a lot of secrets, family secrets, and roadblocks ahead of you in order to dig, as you did as a journalist, with a a person with a journalism background. Um, I I see here that the the other lessons, and without all kinds of spoilers, um, but I I do want to give people a feeling for, you know, this perch that you're on now, which I think is a real give back to all of us. Um, Your lessons are embrace the narrative arc, understand your characters, welcome conflict. Well, there wasn't a whole lot of choice, and neither is there for any of us. So the fourth is seek the unconventional, and the fifth is step into the unknown, which is exactly what you did even with your memoir, because as you say, there is no foresight as to what it's going to take, and good thing there isn't. Um, I, I wondered with the, the beauty of, of this transition, what's the relationship between developing characters in your book and becoming a coach who, who builds characters, basically? 
Well, I think that that second lesson in in Authorize It is is a twofold one. Um, It's very important uh, for anyone to uh, have perspective on the characters around them, to understand that just as you're the hero or the heroine of your own story, they are of theirs, and trying to become attuned to their motivations agendas, what shapes them, what drives them, is only going to improve your your own outcomes. And you have to also understand, uh, just like the characters in the book and the protagonist in, in, in any story, you have to understand what role the characters around you play. Um, even the antagonists in our life, and especially at work, there are always uh, antagonists. Um, the, what they serve or what they bring out in you is always going to teach you something about yourself than you, that you wouldn't have known otherwise. And because we're all on a parallel character arc, the same way there's a story has a, a structure, a frame, uh, the narrative arc, uh, the character arc is our journey, our individual journeys, to become our best selves. And so by understanding the impact on you from the people around you, even the negative ones, um, and reframing it in a way where you can see the the positive uh, impact is always going to help you get to the next level. And of course, the, the, the second part of understand your characters is the character you most need to understand is yourself. And mm-hmm. uh, you, when you go outside on a sunny day, the shadow that you see in the, on the sidewalk is caused by the obstacle that is you. And we are so often in our own way at work and in the same way uh, writers give their characters blind spots to make stories more interesting. We all have blind spots, and they usually come from feelings that we've suppressed that are uncomfortable. And so understanding who we are, um, why we are the way we are, what forces shaped us, which is usually the people from our childhood, and what forces shape them, and being able to reflect on that is critically important to your own uh, career success. And I did a lot of that reflection when I was writing uh, Saturday's Child, which, again, thank you for your uh, kind words uh, about the book. Uh, it, it, it's been recognized in ways that um, I never anticipated, and um, it's meaningful to readers um, for a variety of reasons which you may or may not want to want to touch on next. Well, it, it sent ripples through my life, and I think that that's a real commentary. It's a very, um, you know, you might set out to be talking about your relationship with Dottie, um, but, you know, there were other themes as well, relationships with men, um, the dynamics between uh, a woman, why she falls in love with a certain man, 
um, that's going to self-detonate her and <laughs> in various ways and what she's really thinking is seeking and, and what her motivations are. So I, I thought there were just a lot of aspects to Saturday's Child and some of them were right, uh, right smack in the middle. They were thematic. But I, I think that, um, you know, you had, you know, Danny Shapiro talks about this, the unthought known, right? The, the, the concept that even what you do, aren't completely aware of um, in your childhood dynamics is shaping you uh, mm. in ways that you, you can't even quite anticipate. Um, but you, your story, has I just noticed here in your comments, and we will stop being quite so theoretical and get right into the juice here with uh, Saturday's Child, but you say in um, Authorize that your story also has a central theme at its core, and I think that that's, you know, you, you've asked the question, how do you understand uh, the influence and structure that's shaping your story? How do you discover and impact its theme so that your story becomes the one you want to live? So I just thought that that was just enormously, like, turning everything on its head, right? That you, you know, rather than saying, okay, this is the theme of my life, no, what is the theme that you'd like to have in your life? What is the theme that you'd like to write into your life? So um, am I mistaken? This is not just a book, uh, authorize it. It's not just a book for writers. It's a book for, for many people it's trying to find their path writer. and maybe a path to <laughs> exactly, reinvention, yeah. right? It's a book for non-writers, and that was the light bulb moment for me because when I, on that seven-year creative journey, when I was writing the first book, as you mentioned, I, I'm a trained uh, journalist. Um, I worked in marketing my whole life, so I'm wired for the headline. I'm wired for that one line that's going to compel people to come along. Uh, so if you told me you could write a book and all you had to do was write a paragraph or a page and sum the whole thing up, that's how I am wired, but unfolding a story for a reader so that they can jump in and see themselves in one person's story, kind of touching on those universal themes, is, is something completely different. So I had to learn how to do that, and it's almost like um, putting the pen in, in a different hand, and that was part of the of the creative journey that I was on. Um, just to go back for a second, you mentioned Danny Shapiro, who is one of my uh, idols. I am an enormous fan of her, and actually, when I was writing Saturday's Child, um, I workshopped uh, the book with her um, for a week at, at uh, Provincetown with a small group of 10 other writers, and it was one of the most transformative experiences of my life, being in a room with her and 10 other uh, aspirers and having our work uh, critiqued uh, was, um, was just amazing and also mm-hmm. infuses um, and helped to, to build some of those scenes that you talk about. And the scenes that I thought were really telling, for example, um, you you learned to stand behind your mother while she was playing poker at the CCC, 
Uh, she gave mm. me permission to do that as long as you never betrayed any emotion or showed anything on your face, right? So you developed a poker face uh, as a kind of um, surrogate because of uh, your mother playing, sitting at the poker table. And another kind of recurring theme and scene in the book is you lighting your mother's cigarette. This was a continuous mm-hmm. kind of dyadic dance between the two of you. You would light her cigarette so that she could continue, um, and you are a nurturer. Um, you know, strangely, we, uh, we're coming up on time for a commercial break, but um, when we come back, I really want you to um, talk to us a lot about this whole dynamic and this craziness of your um, astrological sign as a cancer and, and being a nurturer, whereas your mother, who always pretended that yours was the same <laughs> birthdays, 16th, 17th of July, turned out to be actually a month later as a Leo. Um, <laughs> this, this notion that you have to be the same in order to be truly loved, that she glommed onto you and you glommed onto her in such a way that that became your definition you of love. You should be it's a book critic, a book reviewer. You, you zoomed in on so many of the key scenes uh, that I chose specifically to go deeper. And, you know, when you're writing a memoir, there are 10,000, 100,000 scenes. You know, it's not a recounting of someone's life. You're trying to go deeper with each chapter. So thank you once again for just uh, zooming in on on what's important um, about the book. So if we're breaking well, for commercial, now I'll hold any we more are, comments. We are, but if we are. should keep on. No, no, we're, we're going to take a deep breath. We're going to have a commercial okay. break, and we're going to come back with okay. Deborah Burns, author of Saturday's Child. Deborah is a storyteller extraordinaire. Uh, whether these stories, this storytelling gift is acquired, and um, it sounds like you did the work, and that's what makes it all happen. So we'll be right back with Deborah Burns. Don't go away. We'll be back on Dropping In. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. She Writes Press is an independent publishing company founded for women writers everywhere. Together with sister company Spark Press, serving men and women, it is both mission-driven and community-oriented. The aim is to serve writers who wish to maintain greater ownership and control of their projects while getting the highest quality editorial help possible, traditional distribution, and an in-house marketing and publicity team. In 2019, She Writes Press was named Indie Publisher of the Year. You can find out more on SheWritesPress.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to Diane at DianeDewey.com. That's Diane at DianeDewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Deborah Burns, author of two books. One, 
her Drop Dead memoir, Saturday's Child, which is moving um, in ways unpredictable for me as a reader um, and much delighted to be absorbing the themes and ideas that Deborah posts here. And secondly, a book that's actually a help book for those who are seeking to, I think, direct themselves, which is called Authorize It, a great play on words, Deborah. Um, let, let's talk about perspective here in, in Saturday's Child. We just mentioned your, your mother fibbed about a lot of things, including her birthday, because she, she thought it was good if you guys could, <laughs> you gals, could, could celebrate your birthdays together when, in fact, she was a month later, of course she was. I mean, she certainly seemed like a Leo when that was, you know, in hindsight. Sure. But, you know, I, I want to talk about perspective because when you're a child, you don't know anything different. You, you trust your mother. You trust her words. She is your mother. You're not going to disbelieve her. Um, and after the fact, when you're, when you're writing the memoir, when they are recognized by you as a person and an author as illusions, how, how is it to write in the past tense, which is what we do in memoirs because we couldn't write about it if it wasn't the past tense, but the innocence, the illusions that you had as a child that allowed you to survive and the perspective that you have now as an author, um, how has it has it illuminated even further since you've written the book? And how was it to go back into being that child? Well, uh, as I was writing the book, I knew that I selected the right scenes because after I wrote them and then read them aloud, if I cried, I knew that I had something. I could make people feel um, what mm-hmm. it was like to grow up in the shadow of someone who's larger than life. And that has a lot of um, timely connections to millennial daughters today who, are, who have grown up in the shadow of mothers who may have had tremendously successful careers. I've had a lot of men tell me that they read their wife's copy of Saturday's Child and they still were able to relate because their father may have been a big athlete or a very successful businessman and they they never felt that they measured up or lived up. Um, And my mother was so otherworldly, beautiful, and extraordinary that I knew from a young age that no matter how uh, attractive I might be, I'm not that. And, and that uh, combined with a personality that might have been a tad narcissistic on her part uh-huh. and the fact so. that she was emotionally elusive that like perfect storm of forces made me feel um, that she might not have loved me because I didn't look like her or wasn't like her. And that's what children do. They have to make sense sure. of their experiences and they, they, they 
make up stories around the events that govern uh, their days. And that was mine, um, which I acknowledged to some degree, uh, but always kind of pushed down. And I idealized my mother as a result. I was an only child. I danced around her pedestal, and I was very comfortable doing that, and I, I loved her. She was the center of my universe, and when she died, um, got sick and died when I was in my 30s, I, there was a void that just could not uh, be filled, her absence after a childhood and young adulthood. Um, with those dynamics, there was just a void. And when mm-hmm. I wrote the book, there were revelations um, and things that I know now that I didn't know before, and it came from this exploration process um, of writing the book. And today, mm-hmm. I love my mother as much as I loved her then, but the mm-hmm. whole process kind of humanized her more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see not only my own flaws, I see hers more than, than I did before. And there were certain things that happened uh, while I was writing the book and in the throes of it that kind of shook me to my core and took me 360 degrees the other way. And then by the end of the, the book, kind of back around again with a deeper understanding of her and um, of myself. What a gift. I think that, you know, you, you know, you can rue the idea of it taking seven years, but listeners will understand the process is so deep. You go so deep into this, and as you say, flung out, far outstretched on an elastic band, and, but the love was real. And I actually feel, I felt very strongly reading the book that her love for you was real. Only things like dominance needs submissives got in the way, and it wasn't really always the kind of love that we would have envisioned. Um, it was a different brand of love, but it was love nonetheless. And if it hadn't been so real, you wouldn't have snapped back into position. You wouldn't have come back to... You know, there's this centering force of having a healing and accepting relationship with yourself and, and with your mother. So that's just a beautiful thing. I, I think that, um, you know, you're really speaking to the whole process of how writing your history or even digging through your history can be such a rewarding investigation despite the manic um, <laughs> twists and turns and ups and downs. But but let's talk about some of the, the, the stones and, and some, of the, some of the obstacles. I mean, this generation, okay, where, where Dottie, you know, was coming from, that, that, that was written with um, shameful secrets. And, you know, what I guess I'm, I'm wondering is, you know, you, it's, there's a, the road is strewn with writers now who are trying to make sense 
um, including you and, and, and really um, going there in order to do it, which, for which I commend you. But I, I think that, you know, like there are so many of this generation, our generation, Deborah, who are writing to make sense out of the lies that we were told that we come to find out we're not told maliciously, but mm-hmm. in the reacting to them, they feel like a betrayal. And particularly when you put your mother at the center of your universe, which is the only place that she would want to be, um, as a Leo is the sun is the center of the universe, um, I, I wondered if that, that sense of betrayal um, was something that you had to excavate and maybe even... Ah, jettison or or let go of through this process? Well, for me, and this is what I think uh, some of the value that can be imparted from the book, um, I was never angry at my mother. It was part of that dynamic. I really never had resentment towards her then or now, partly because... I idealized her, and I would not let maybe any resentment that was there come up. But even when I discovered some of her secrets, um, I always understood her and took her side um, in things. And I think the, the takeaway from this book is that I had a unique uh, upbringing Um, and there was a unique dynamic between us, but the book uh, does not pass judgment on my mother. We're all products of our time, and she was a product of hers, and I saw that then, and I I know it just as much now. Um, There's no blame. Um, The book Mm -hmm. is not written with shame or resentment, and I think that that A allows people to come into the story and and relate to it and form their own conclusions. I'm not telling them what to think about my mother. In fact, I wanted them to love her as much as I did. This is not a mommy dearest by any means. Um, And so I believe, um, and I hope this book conveys, um, that 80% of us live in the gray of life, where relationships, maybe 10% of relationships are so fabulous and so perfect um, that there's nothing that can be said about them, and 10% of the relationships are so bad and so terrible that you have to leave them, you know, uh, and and banish the, the person from your life. But most of us are not in that situation. Most of us live in the gray. And this is a mm-hmm. subtle story. Um, I, it's not like other memoirs, um, that are popular. Uh, I was never chained to a radiator. I had, I never, you know, lived in, in, in a car. We were not well off, but I had none of those issues. In fact, from the two aunts that came in to take care of me, one of them was a chef. And so we ate three fabulous meals a day, but. Mm-hmm. The story centers around the wounds that we all carry with us because 100% of us um, are, we're all flawed. 
And it comes mm-hmm. from these little childhood wounds. And mine happened to be not feeling like my mother's priority or feeling fully loved by her. That was my wound. Yours is something else. But it's there, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And you, you um, in the subtlety of this story uh, that's written without resentment, it allows people to uh, maybe reframe how they think about their own wounds. I wrote an mm-hmm. article recently um, that was published, and I forgot the exact headline, but it was something like, I had a narcissistic mother and it made me a success. Mm-hmm. And uh, it started off because, you know, you have to acknowledge people who were in the same situations, but but um, but it affected their lives so negatively. So I say that... Um, I will leave that part to the expert. But in my own experience, how I learned to navigate her actually made me a success at work. I learned to be more intuitive because I was always trying to figure her out. I became more inventive because if I wasn't creative, well, you know, maybe she wouldn't uh, want to see me next Saturday. Um, I became resilient, which is a, a key word for today, and, and how you need to adapt because I was ever hopeful. Um, I, I was a great teammate at work because I didn't need to be number one. In fact, I loved finding a star and, and making them more successful because I'm wired for that. So that and like a, a ten other things that were honed razor sharp at her feet ended up contributing to my success. So I hope that for people, it's an, it ultimately, even though the book has its moments, it ultimately is an opportunity to thrive uh, despite... Uh, whatever that wound is that you're carrying, because it turns out in many ways to be your strength. And I know one thing now uh, for a fact. She was the mother that I needed to become who I am. Yes, exactly. I think that was just eloquently and beautifully put, and and that the wound is, in fact, our strength. I I, I also, um, I commend you for being as candid as you were, knowing that there is judgment, right? Like, there were even, I'm sure, moments um, in talking with a therapist who might have encouraged you to be that angry person, whereas that didn't bleed out on the page. And as you say, it gave us the freedom as readers to go into our own lives, to not be weighed down with your, or burdened with your sort of emotional baggage, and in, in fact to explore with great freedom. And my, my whole next question, which you have completely now um, depicted so thoughtfully, was the strengths that came 
from I think mostly Deborah, when I hear you also when I read you, is your ability to go into the other person's perspective is uncanny and it's a way of standing outside of your own ego as well and saying, I'm okay, I I can do this. I'm going to go around and learn about how this person thinks. Um, because that's gonna help me a lot more than standing my ground and fighting against the, you know, and resisting um, what, where they're coming from. I think that's just an enormous, um, it, it's just an enormous um, asset in terms of being a human being, but clearly also to the positive value of your success. Um, we have to stop again for a commercial break, but I really am glad to hear you speak as lucidly and for readers to open the pages of this book and see when the new boyfriend who has been kept hidden all of Deborah's life but was there all along, I think for a long time, seven years anyway, when you finally meet him, Deborah, rather than balk or try to come to the defense of your father's honor who's been dead only a couple of months or weeks at that point, <laughs> you you go ahead you go ahead and embrace this guy not physically but conceptually to again further understand where your mother's coming from what was it in him that she saw and I think that those moments where you take the walk around to the other person's viewpoint is where we mm-hmm. are really gifted with the ability to learn from you as an author. So um, we're going to take a commercial break right now, and but you can tell there's a lot here. And don't go away. We'll be right back with Deborah Burns on Dropping In. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Books Forward exemplifies excellence in book marketing and promotion, representing New York Times bestsellers, national award-winning books, and books that catch fire on social media and in the digital realm. Books Forward creates ambitious campaigns with unlimited possibilities for sparking buzz while creatively cutting through the noise. Your book deserves to launch with experts who have set the bar in the industry. To learn more, visit booksforward.com or send us an email at info at booksforward.com. A JKS Communications Company. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to diane at dianedewey.com. That's diane at dianedewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with the author, Deborah Burns, who's had other incarnations that you were extraordinarily successful in, Deborah. Um, there is a uh, there there is a bio here. It's really kind of uh, it's a, it's it, it's it's really kind of astounding what you have accomplished. And as you say, maybe part of the motivation, conscious or unconscious, you know, came from 
needing to step out of the shadow and maybe just sort of taking your diligence, your perceptivity, your perspicacity, and your willingness to nurture others as a team. Um, I will let our listeners know, as media chief innovation officer turned founder and award-winning author, Deborah Burns' story has always been about invention and reinvention. Um, you've lived between those two key words um, with um, now helping businesses and people invent and reinvent their companies, careers, and lives with your second book, Authorize It. Think Like a Writer yeah. to Win at Work and Life. And so this book is actually for everyone. It's not for writers who might not be able to articulate these thoughts. Um, you've made these connections, and you've done so to be able to help others do what you've been able to do. And um, that, again, is uh, an, an attribution to your, to your nurturing nature. Um, uh, you have... Uh, you have been featured in The Hollywood Reporter, Forbes, Entertainment Weekly, all kinds of publications, but your own evolution spans leading brands like L Girl, Metropolitan Home, L Decor, and L International to the founding of two brands of your own, meeting consul- media consulting firm DJB Ventures, and then after earning your coaching credentials, Skirting the Rules, one of the best titles ever to help women reinvent. And how timely is that? Um, women reinventing, it's rein, this reinvention cycle that's going on right now, even as we speak with the pandemic, Deborah, that people have, t- have had time to digest and absorb themselves uh, a little bit more. I mean, is, is it not an opportunity to, to take a look at some of the material that we're working with and to make a new stab at it? And how is it going being a coach? Is that something that you enjoy as well as authoring? And what do we have to look forward to there? Well, um, I, first of all, uh, just like a writer, because that's what authorize it is. It, it teaches people to think like writers at work. Um, and in life, but primarily at work, so that they can advance their career story in the same way a writer advances a story, through the five lessons and all kinds of tools that are in there, so that non-writers can shape the stories they need to tell at work for success. Um, And it could not be more timely because everyone is rethinking and reassessing in this normal, and there are, you know, big overarching macro trends now, like the great resignation, uh, where people are just uh, reassessing their lives, rethinking how their careers are structured and what's most important to them. And so, although I don't do one-on-one coaching, mine is through corporations or associations membership groups that, that, um, that draw people to them who are either trying to reinvent or in a certain life stage or career stage um, or with universities uh, because I help college seniors before they step into the work world and their own careers to have the perspective they need, a, a word that's key for you and key for me, perspective is everything. Um, 
for, for almost anything. And it certainly is critical uh, to whatever role you have, whether you're inside of a corporation or a solopreneur or entrepreneur, wherever you are, perspective is key and remembering that even though you are the hero or the heroine of your own life, at work, you are a supporting character. You're solving a problem mm-hmm. for someone else. And it always is about whoever that customer is, that client is, that partner is. Um, and if you focus your eye on that in the same way a, a writer focuses on the quest that is moving the story forward, the action and reaction that's a part of that 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 does the same thing, um, then you can uh, tell the best story at work. And as we know, whoever tells the best story wins. And so that's the whole premise for Authorize It. It's for the non-writers out there, which are actually 98% of us um, are not going to write a book, but there are there's so much wisdom in the world of storytelling that I now translate so that people can can live their best uh, careers. If that answers your your question, absolutely, um, it's absolutely it's fodder. You've taken your own um, creative process and kind of transferred it to life in a way. I think that even. People, many of us, uh, still live in the dark about the fact that we are um, telling ourselves stories, that the stories we tell ourselves are not our life. (laughs) They don't have to be our life. They can be rewritten, and they can be reshaped. And I think that, um, you know, when you start to talk about yourself as the key, as as a team player to your client or to a greater good, um, you know, getting out of your own way as an entrepreneur starts to be a big goal. Mm-hmm. And many of us mm-hmm. who have never been entrepreneurs before and now are emerging from pandemic times saying, to be. wait a minute, right. I want to I do this, this creative thing here that I've always wanted to do. You know, but then you have to get to know yourself as a boss and, and what a boss really is. And maybe the boss is a much more support, supportive, um, you know, how do you become supportive and a problem solver for someone else. And, you know, I think that that flies in the face of a lot of kind of um, stereotypes of like getting ahead and forging ahead and everyone for themselves and, you know, big individualism. Whereas you're talking about something, I think, slightly more, it's almost a more feminine, if you will, perspective or the, the feminist, of the feminine side of your brain or the intuitive side of your brain, how can I help? Almost the service side of your brain. Um, you know, and I think that that's, there's something else that you might have taken from this relationship that you had with um, a, a frankly narcissistic mother who was lovable um, in many ways because, in I mean, my gosh, between and the flame red hair and the very charming. <laughs> And everybody wanted to be with her. Everybody wanted uh, her to be their mother. Um, So it's fascinating. I grew up in an era when the stereotype was 
June Cleaver for your listeners who may remember that name. And my mother was anything but. She was more like a voluptuous uh, Rita Hayworth. Um, and so, you know, growing up with someone who's not the norm and yet owned it, she never hid it. Uh, she was just so ahead of her time. And I, I appreciate um, those qualities in her now and how she shaped her, her life. Uh, you know, she knew uh, motherhood and day-to-day, you know, duties of it were not for her. And she got her two unmarried um, sisters-in-law to come in, live with her. She took care of them, and they took care of me and, my, and her, and she never washed a dish again. And that's how she set up her life. And women today would, would applaud it. It just, in that, you know, time frame, that era, and with our particular dynamic, it was a little tough on the sensitive child because it always felt like something else was, you know, more important. Um, but in mm-hmm. any case, um, you know, the, the perspective that I have is really grounded. Yes, it might have more... Uh, what we would call, in quotes, female attributes of nurturing and empathy, but really understanding your role inside of an ecosystem, which is an office environment, is perspective that doesn't seem to be as visible today in, in a more expressive age where of course, we're all individuals and we bring our individual talents to work, but we also need the perspective of understanding the situation, understanding that the stories you mentioned that we tell ourselves may not be true. And that is another technique of the world of writing, you know, us. Yes, absolutely, Deborah. And I must cut us short here. I'm terribly sorry. I'm thanking you very much. Deborah has uh, social media. You can obtain the book everywhere that books are sold, Amazon, and on her website, DeborahBurnsAuthor.com. Thanks very much for being with us. Thanks to our engineers, Matt Widener and Aaron Keller, and to our executive producer, Robert Cialino. Most of all, to you, our listeners, remember to stay safe and know that your history is not necessarily your story. Till next week, thank you for dropping in. Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then.